On this edition of Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, Rick St. Vincent and Pool Boy from Alice 107.7 will both give their perspectives on the Dreamland Ballroom. First, Rick St. Vincent. You ready? Yes. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of flagandbanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and always informative weekly blog. There, you'll read, learn, and make comment about her life as a 21st century wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Great. This show began as a calling after four decades of running a small business called flagandbanner.com, a.k.a. Arkansas Flag and Banner. I felt I had something to share. I wanted to create a platform for not just me, but other business owners and successful people to pay forward their experiential knowledge in a conversational way. Originally, my team and I thought it would be this easy, informative, one-hour-a-week interview, and boy, were we wrong. As with every new endeavor, it's harder than you first think. And once again, I find myself at the onset of starting and running yet another new business, this podcast, and doing exactly what the show's about, taking risks, embracing change, and working hard. After interviewing over 150 successful people, I've noticed some reoccurring traits among many of my guests, belief in a higher power, and creativity, because business is creative. Before we start, I want to let you know if you miss any part of today's show or want to hear it again or share it, there's a way, and Gray will tell you how. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy's YouTube channel, the Democrat Gazette's digital newspaper, flagandbanner.com's website, or subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen by searching Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. And if you would like to receive timely email notifications of each week's upcoming guests, Go to flagandbanner.com, click radio show, and join the email list. Back to you, Carrie. Thank you. <laughs> My guest today is the talented Rick St. Vincent, a.k.a. Richie St. Vincent. He is a self-employed actor, musician, singer, and talented woodworker. He boasts a long career in film, theater, broadcast, and radio. When he is not acting or creating furniture in his workshop, you may find him crooning with an accompanist at local restaurants or parties. In addition, Rick is a lover of the Dreamland Ballroom and has been an active board member of the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland almost since its inception in 2009. This multi-talented, modern, renaissance man is going to talk with us today about the many aspects of building a business and career around your creativity. Welcome to the table, the one, the only, Rick St. Vincent. Ah, that's crowd noise. That's, <laughs> that's crowd. That's a good imitation. I like that. I, make I saw that. that on TV. It was a little girl, and she, the mom was going to play basketball, and, said, and the crowd went wild. The little girl goes, ah. I said, how cute. Well, you know what, Carrie? I just spoke with Joe Fox, who asked about your show down at Community Bakery, and um, he's asking about uh, your show and talked to me and says, well, how did you get hooked up to do the show? And I said, well, I know Carrie from Dreamland Ballroom, Flag and Banner, and 
really we've, before that. Yeah, we've done some parties. Yeah, because I used to come right past your place. When I've known I had you my for shop. thirty years. You probably don't remember that. For thirty years. I think it was thirty years ago. It was nineteen ninety when I first met you. Nineteen. That's yeah. twenty-six years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's about time I came by your place with my little uh, dog. I was walking my dog right past Flag and Banner. Uh, you talked about Renaissance. And I'm always stepping back from that moniker because I'm always thinking, well, I would love to have one thing that I can do great and make all the money like you and everybody else, you know, when you just make money. Oh, I wish. Yeah. But uh, when you have to do all of these different things to survive, you learn to do these things over years. And then next thing you know, you, you know, four or five, six different things that you do well, but you haven't made any real money off of any one of them in particular. So. I was going to ask yeah. you about you're doing so many different things, and I think you just answered it. Well, it's just what you do to survive. It's what you do to survive. When you talked about your business and you said that you needed to have production, so you set up a production and you got silk screening and things of that nature. Same thing. I was in radio for 17 years. I did probably 17, 20 radio stations in eight different cities, six different states, since 1971. Let me just read everybody what you've done. Well, you don't have to read it. Oh, I have got to. <laughs> so, so I go to Google up you and like everybody that no. I've ever interviewed in here that I've known literally for decades, I read about them and go, oh my gosh, I haven't really known them. For instance, in film, you've done the old State House documentary. You've done a lot more documentaries than that. Yeah. You actually need to update this website. You've done The White River Kid, The Corporate Man, Height of the Sky, The Crown, Sagittarius, A Time to Kill. Yeah, that was a big the, one. That's a big that one. A Over big the one. Edge, Slightly Bent, just to name a few. And then you did broadcasts for AETN, for Alta, for Fairford Bay, for Big on the Rock. And then you already said it. I mean, listen to this paper of all the stuff you've done. And then you've been in 39 radio stations over 17 years, eight cities, and six states. Just different stuff, you know. So you're back in Little Rock. Uh, yeah. As, as Actually, I'm back here as a mistake, in a sense. I came through leaving uh, Virginia, and I came through Little Rock to see some friends. And I was headed back to Los Angeles had been gone for maybe a year or so working on some houses in Virginia and in Atlanta for some friends, was driving back to Los Angeles, stopped to see some friends, and somebody saw me and said, hey, man, are you back in town? I need you to take a look at my house I'm building in North Little Rock. I said, Mike, I don't have time for that. I'm, I'm on my way back to L.A. Oh, come on, man, just look at the plans. I said, well, show me the plans. And How looked, many years ago was that? Uh, 11. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still have your house out in L.A.? Uh, no, I don't have. I didn't, never had a house in L.A., but I, I, keep a, uh, I keep connections in L.A. and I keep a mailbox there so that I can stay in touch with all the folks in L.A. Well, and you're going back all the time, I think. People don't think of actors and musicians and singers as entrepreneurs, but really, to me, you're the epitome of an entrepreneur. You are your own product so you know what i'm saying yeah. i mean you are yeah. your own you are an ultimate entrepreneur so let's talk about how you kind of started because i've noticed that people that are entrepreneurs are entrepreneurs from early on and i read somewhere that in the fifth grade you would make hand puppets take them to school mm -hmm. and entertain your classmates <laughs> so have you so always been that, driven to that's, that that's probably the beginning of it um when i was a kid my mom worked at a hat factory in st louis 
and would bring home remnants from all of the materials from the hats. I did not know and that. And then would sew this stuff together and make different items. And sometimes she had enough stuff that she would make little petticoats and dresses and stuff. So I was always the guy cutting out patterns, the, the, the Butterfield. I think Butterfield. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Butterfield. Oh, very good. Yes, Man, exactly. I know all this stuff. I know how to sew. I know how to do all that stuff. I own a sewing machine. I have a sewing machine. Um, Renaissance man again. <laughs> but what, 10 bucks at a, at a yard sale. I said, hey, I know how to use that. $10? Okay, I'll take it. Used it twice. But, I was about to say, you probably yeah. never turned it on. No, no, no. I used Don't it forget to oil it. You have to oil sewing machines. I know it. I did all that stuff. I made puppets. I had 13 puppets, marionettes and or hand puppets. I took an old Motorola box and I made a stage out of it, painted it black on the inside, took the material and made up little curtains and took flashlights and duct taped them up in the corners. And fifth grade? In the fifth grade. And I used to drag that thing three and a half blocks to school when Miss Schwartz would ask me, can you come in Friday and bring your puppets for the kids? And I was like, yeah. And I dragged that thing three blocks to school. Do the puppet show. We turn out all the lights and I turn my flashlights on and I do the puppets and I would make up stuff. So when you're on my case about going off on a tangent, yeah. it's because I've been doing that. <laughs> You've been to going off on kids. tangents. Yes. <laughs> to go off like that and just do it for the kids and I make up stories. That's all. Just People just don't know stories. that before we came on, I was saying this is going to be a real testament to my skills at being a commentator because Rick will go off on a tangent forever and I'm going to have to keep you focused. No, so I'm, that's I, why you're well, saying that. You know what? Somebody said something to me not long ago, uh, maybe in the last couple of years. They said, you're so silly like that. And at that particular instant, my mind was at a point where I could respond to that intellectually. And I said, do you know what it takes to be silly? I know, right? Check this out. First of all, you have to truly hear what that person is saying. Which no one does. Then you have to understand it to the point that you can find the way of flipping it around or finding the joke or finding the obtuseness of it. Then you have to be able to say that and you have to do it all in milliseconds. Yes, they okay. say comedians are really intelligent. So when you think in terms of folks like Robin Williams, whose wife was just on TV yesterday talking about his passing, and you think about uh, uh, folks like that, the comedians, they are silly, but they are so intelligent Quick. because they can hear something, understand it, and flip it back in conversation. So thank you for the compliment. You're <laughs> I made, look, when I was uh, a teenager, I'm thinking around 14, I made a go-kart out of a kitchen chair and a Briggs and Stratton trim motor that they would use to trim the uh, lawns. What? Yeah. And I, I put that thing on a, on a chassis. My neighbor, Mr. Brown, who I love dearly in any life that we ever show up in, Mr. Brown, find me and... In your next life, I yeah. won't be with next neighbor neighbors with Mr. Brown again. <laughs> so we we I made this uh, little go kart. Oh, it actually was just a chair with three wheels, and I got on that thing. And a friend of mine uh, in his car drove on the side of me, and we got that thing up to thirty miles an hour. Now imagine going down a street at thirty miles in an a hour kitchen chair in a, with a lawnmower on a kitchen chair with a lawnmower motor. Foolishness is a good word to bring into this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Useful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I took that thing, and for many years since I was a kid, I took that thing, and I rebuilt that seven times. And in 
78, I literally had a business in San Diego called Scooter Ads. And anybody who's lived in San Diego in 78 and uh, 80 will know of Scooter Ads because I had taken that same fork for the front wheel. Uh That never changed. But everything else evolved around it. And I wound up with a 780-pound vehicle that I would drive all around San Diego, Chula Vista. What does El that have Cajon. to do with Scooterville? It, it was called Scooter Ads. It was an advertising. So when you talked about God. turning something into something, the people that I had working on that, Nelson Bashir at that time was the national go-kart champion. Robert Kidder was the upholsterer at the Hotel Del Coronado. And John, uh, I got to call his name, he was Jacques Cousteau's underwater welder, one of Jacques no. Cousteau's underwater welder who has a small shop over near Market in San Diego where he makes uh, stainless steel railing for yachts. And he was they were all working on your, mo- what do you I, call it? On, on, this, on this little scooter ad thing. Scooter and everybody ad. that saw it thought it was a Cushman. They thought it was a Cushman. And they would come up and they say, where did you get that from? And I said, well, I, I built it. Now and nobody not... believed it. So you built this thing and you went to them and said, hey, you want me to ride around and sell ads for oh, you? Man, I did See, ads. See, there's more creative entrepreneurship. There's money ads. everywhere yeah. if you're creative enough. I did ads with uh, Ted Giannola's The San Diego Chicken. I did ads with the Charger Games. I did ads for the San Diego Ballet, ads for uh, SeaWorld. Ray Kroc was there once with uh, Orville Redenbacher. We did some ads uh, for some stuff that they were doing. And I drove this thing all around San Diego. So if anybody were in San Diego during that time, they, they, had, to, they had to have seen and it. Should we say you're lucky me. to be alive? Uh, maybe twice. There was two times it turned over. <laughs> I was going too fast. How fast would it go? It would go 40 miles an hour and it would drive three days on a. I have one word for gas. you. Cool cat. You are a cool cat. I've done enough things that I can hang out with cats. So maybe they think I'm cool. You are. I mean, <laughs> Renaissance man isn't even a big enough word for you. Right. So... This show is flying by. I knew it would. Okay, so much to talk it. to you about. Go. So I'd love to talk about the Dreamland Ballroom, but I think people want to know about you, the man, and how you got into singing and how do other people get into singing. One of the things I really like about you is that you will belt out a song at the drop of a hat. and That's it, to get over fear. That is that, the language of the is. soul, too, and I really yeah. think it's a gift. Anytime, everybody listening can relate to this, but anytime that you are... All of us go through hard times, and every time you're in a dark place and you're soul-searching, you can hear a song on the radio, mm. and that song will speak to us someplace in you that you can't yeah. describe. There's no words for it. There's no words for it, but hopefully the words in the song matter, and that's what tells you, go ahead and move on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what I love about your music is it's word heavy. I love that about you. It does have great lyrics, but you can also, it's easy listening, so you can have have conversations. Yes. You know, here's the thing. When I'm there or when I'm anywhere singing, I'm always, to me, my thing is I am the ocean that supports the boat that has the party that you are with. Whoa, there's another tweetable <laughs> moment. I am the ocean that has that the boat. That supports the boat that has the party that you are with. You're uh, with your party on the boat. I'm just the ocean trying to keep you afloat, trying to give you some, and you know what I mean? Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. just take it easy. So out of all the things you do, which one makes you the most money? Which, uh, which one supports you? The, the cabinetry? The, the, the cabinetry. You know, I did Mosaic Templars. I did all the cabinetry over there. Oh, it's beautiful. That's a year and a half worth of work. 
And uh, most people don't even know that I did that. But no. if you go in there and you touch any one of the uh, 40, uh, no, 53 different uh, doors and windows and those flipping doors, those rotating doors and the reception and, and all of the retail area and the kitchen and the classroom and the trim and the base and uh, oh, a lot of wood, a lot of wood. So I know I'd like to meet the trees that that wood came from and say, I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, you like to work alone also. It's therapeutic. Well, I know that we've talked about this because yeah. you have hired people before. And you don't like the way they oh, do stuff. This goes back to education. People and you get this, too, with your job and what you do. Uh, and everybody does. I talked to Joe this morning about the same thing. Joe, Joe, Fox, Joe Fox at Community at Bakery. Community Baker. Mm-hmm. People come to work for me and I say, OK, this is what we need to do. We need to cut this at this length. We need to do this to it. And we need to process it in this way. Then they say, why? And this is because that's what needs to be done in order that it turn out like this drawing with these measurements and this finish on it. Then they say, well, I should be able to do it that way or this way. I said, look, if you go to work at McDonald's where they sell hamburgers for 99 cents, they're going to put you in a situation where you have to learn how to do that hamburger their way. Here's where you put the napkin. This is how you fold the aluminum foil. This wrapper is where the pickle goes. This is how much this ketchup. The, this is right. how much man, uh, mustard. It, it, I don't care where you go to right. work. If you go to work for somebody, follow somebody, instructions. Somebody has something to tell you about their work. And once I once I consummate a contract with an individual or a company, then I am at that instant. I'm working for that they, contract. Correct. I'm worker just like you're a worker, and I've got to do it a certain way. Because my name is on it and my reputation is on it. So I can't let it go out of the shop looking any kind of way. I have yet to have any customer that I know of who is dissatisfied or unpleased with my work. It's beautiful. Okay. So I am not going to impugn myself with turning out shoddy work. It doesn't make sense. When, when If you don't have money and all you have is your reputation, then you have to protect that. So all of my workers, you know. So you don't feel like people can live up to your standards that work for you? No, they say I'm picky and I'm too much of this or too much of that. But it's like, you know, look, this is my name on this. I'm, I'm saying I've got to turn out something that somebody will go, okay, I like that. My inspiring guest today is self-employed Rick St. Vincent. He's an actor, singer, and a craftsman. There are so many people in the world that dream about being like you. Listen, I met you 30 years ago. You were so, you still are, you're so handsome, so well-spoken as everybody has learned, so talented. You had a handsome dog too back then. Oh yeah, India. I had that dog for 11 years. We could talk for 30 more minutes. (laughs) I'm serious, we really could. But uh, Rick, you're on the board of Dancing into Dreamland. It's the only fundraiser you and I have for Dreamland to raise money. And it's a really great place well it's got spirit oh it does so many people have gone through that place and it's like it's a special place in the forest you know Mm -hmm. where you can go and say wow this is neat i know it so this is what you get this is what i get Mm -hmm. it's a cigar and you know what you get that for for birthing so many businesses (laughs) (laughs) well you know what i did with the i had a cigar don't say 
Oh, okay. Okay, go ahead. okay. Because this is Little Rock, isn't it? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> All right. Okay. So anyway, there's your cigar. <laughs> Thank Smoke you, it and think about what a success you've been and all the businesses you've birthed. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I appreciate it. That's Rick St. Vincent on today's episode of Up In Your Business with Kerry McCoy. Next, Pool Boy from Alice 107.7. Get ready to have some listening fun because Pool Boy is in the house. What's up? Yes, my guest is local celebrity pool boy from the Ugh, Heather. You're using the term celebrity real fast and loose there. I am not <laughs> I, a celebrity. I am not. Uh-oh. Celebrities don't have two and three and four jobs. But they have two names, which you have. Some do, mm-hmm. unless you're Cher mm-hmm. or Madonna. Mm-hmm. Don't start critiquing. Yeah, right. <laughs> they actually have two names, probably too. But don't start critiquing me already. He's already on me because you know he's a radio show host. He's going to come in here and tell me everything I'm doing right and everything I'm doing Absolutely wrong. Absolutely not. Oh, you pull- do it. You do it the way you want to do it. That's what I've learned. I'm going to get advice from you today because this is a business advice show. Okay. So you are in the business. I can tell you what not to do. I can. I can definitely do that. Uh oh, that's going to be like everything I do. You're going to go, don't do that. Oh, Carrie, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. So, anyway, my not celebrity pool boy from the Heather and Pool Boy radio show is on today. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. This is fun. It's nice to be able to sit back and not be the guy pressing the buttons and just getting to sit back and talk. This is great. You are going to have fun. I cannot be as good as Heather, though. But I'm going to try. She's awesome. I listen to her. She's just charming. She's great. She is uh, a, an amazing co-host. We've been together, uh, working together now for 13 years. No. She's been there 18 years. Um, so I'm I'm very blessed to get to work with her. We have a really good chemistry. And uh, it just, it makes my mornings fun. It's, I mean, I look forward to going to work. You should. Yeah, you should. You should look forward to go to work. If you so- don't, quit. Oh, that is so true. I will say this. I, I know I said, if you don't like your job, quit. Um, d- quit once you find another job. Let's say I, there was been multiple times in my life I've wanted to quit a job I was at, but I would not quit that job until I had the other job, you know, lined up. Uh, but then I would be ready to, you know, to quit. Um, I just, you know, I was, when I got into radio, I was also bartending at the same time. And I continued to do that for years after I got into radio because, I mean, radio is, I mean, it can change. I mean, things can happen or maybe I wouldn't like it or whatever. So I was not able to uh, let go of that one job until I felt secure in the next job. I've always had two and three jobs, you know, for as long as I can remember. I think every great entrepreneur and successful person does. I like to stay busy. Yeah. And uh, and that's 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 a lot of it. Hard worker. Um, sure. Yeah, absolutely. There's no great, you know, mystery to success. It's just working hard. That's it. Yeah. I mean, it really is. If you're laying on the couch, you're not going to get the job you may want. That's that's right. It's that's pretty right. simple. All right. Let me introduce you a little bit and tell people a little bit about you. Okay. You are the person that we all know and love. You're a pool boy from the Heather and Pool Boy Morning Show mm-hmm. on Alice 107.7 yep. in Little Rock, Arkansas, for those of you that aren't in Little Rock. And you are so genuinely fun and infectious that both the Arkansas Times and the Arkansas Democrat Gazette has voted you the best personality radio. That's right. Um, it's That's awesome. That That is amazing. Um, you know, you can read... Um, you know, stats and, and whatever um, about you know, how your radio station is performing. Uh, but it's awards like that, that uh, the public, the community votes on um, that kind of lets you know how you're doing and how uh, you, well you're liked. And so to get 
um, those kind of accolades mean so much more than, you know, getting, you know, maybe a rating from a rating book or, or something like that, because people took the time to, you know, fill out that form to say, oh, Heather and Poolboy Show is, is my favorite. Love listening to them. Thriller Thursdays is awesome. Uh, whatever that means. That means a lot. So that, that, that is really, really, really cool. You also boast that you can eat four and a half hot dogs in seven minutes that you once drank a half gallon of eggnog in 30 seconds and that you are a two time winner of the make a wish foundation lip sync battle. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. I mean, look, you guys asked for this stuff. Uh, so I, so I gave it to you. Um, and I, I just try to come up with things that, that I have done. Yeah. I entered a hot dog eating contest, uh, one year, uh, in honor of the 4th of July, Nathan's hot dog eating contest they do in Coney Island. And, uh, cause I thought that I could do something, at, but no, I mean, but four and a half, I thought was a pretty dang good. I mean, that's, you are not kidding. That's, uh, can you eat them still? Or are you sick of hot dogs? I'm after? sick of hot. I, I'll, I very rarely touch eggnog again after that within like, <laughs> I'm not, no lie within like 15 minutes of doing that. You threw I up. Was, yes. From <laughs> both ends. I mean, it was, it was, it was horrible. And for not, not just like once. I mean, it was, all, oh, it was all day. It was an all day thing. I mean, all ruined myself. Long. Yeah, Lionel Richie style, all night long. It was, uh, it was awful. It was a rough two days after that. Uh, there's just some things that aren't worth it. Uh, no. Let's say you're an Arkansas, you're an Arkansan through and through, having graduated from Catholic High in Little Rock, University yeah. of Arkansas in Fayetteville, with mm-hmm. a BA in communications, and then, tell me if I'm right, fresh out of college, you applied for an internship at Alice 107 and was hired. No, it was, it was, it was after that. Um, I did KXUA radio in Fayetteville. Um, and then I, I didn't really do anything with radio after that. I got out. Um, I was a kid with $27,000 worth of student debt. Oh, uh, and which by the way, I'm $3,000 away from paying this thing off. Everybody give him a round of applause. That's a big Hold deal. Up. I graduated in 2001. That's, how old That's are you? How, In your late thirties? I'm 38 years old. That's exactly when my husband paid off his late thirties. I am. I'm almost there. I paid them the bare minimum I could pay them every month for this long. Uh, so I'm almost there. And so okay. it's, it's pretty exciting. But yeah, so graduated from there. Uh, didn't do anything with radio. Uh, went into uh, property management and some real estate there for a while. Then um, I figured out that that's not really what I wanted to do. It was. Um, I wasn't loving it. I wasn't happy. And Mm -hmm. so I came uh, to a buddy of mine who opened a bar and I was like, I need a job. And so I started bartending. Um, uh, The girl I bartended with had a roommate and she sent my application into the radio station. She obviously obviously wanted better for me than to be a bartender. And so, uh, uh, (laughs) no, it was good. It is good. No, absolutely. It was totally cool. And, uh, they, um, they ended up hiring me and it was for a part-time producer position. And that's how I got my start. And I just, I I worked year after year. I did anything that anybody would ever ask of me. Um, I accepted, uh, you know, little jobs here and there around the radio station that weren't necessarily in my wheelhouse, but I learned to do them. I was always willing to learn from somebody else that was around there, make myself more valuable. The more skills that I could pick up around the radio station, uh, I felt the better from running the board to, um, you know, working the front desk to, you know, going on a sales call to, you know, whatever it was, um, I was willing to learn. 
because I just felt that the more knowledge I had, the more valuable I became to the, to the company. Harder for them to fire me if I knew more stuff. I hate it when someone says that's not in my job description. I'm like, well, you're about to not even have a job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, um, so I just, I hung around, I hung around, I hung around. Made and, yourself invaluable. And I, and I did. And I got, it was probably three years down the road when I got my first real contract. It, was, it wasn't much, but it was a contract. And um, I just, I kept at it. I kept at it. And here it is 13 years later. And I have my name on the morning show. Uh, with a wonderful co-host and uh, we're having a, an amazing time. So I remember actually when you first went on Alice and I remember when you were just a part-time guy that mm-hmm. would come on sometimes and they they do live remotes with you from yeah. places. And frankly, I just thought, wow, that guy is such a playboy. <laughs> I think you were maybe back then. You're a married man now. We'll talk about that. Yep, sure. Uh, uh, but DC left. It was, it was the Heather and DC show mm-hmm. originally. And then you had just made yourself so invaluable that DC left and they were like, come on, move on up the ladder. Keep moving. It turned it. Um, yeah. I mean, talk about right place, the right time. Um, me being familiar with the audience, um, I think helped and, and, uh, of course played a role in that. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a real, it was a real blow. Um, but what was a blow? Well, it, just the, the mix up, the change up, whatever what was going on. And then everything just, you know, just, it changed. Um, and, you know, we were kind of in limbo of what was going to happen next. And so, but I was able to, to, to jump in and fill the shoes for the time being. And, and luckily it worked out and uh, Heather and I have a chemistry. And oh, so, so you just kind of went in as a, to fill the shoes while they looked for somebody else. Yeah, that was, you know, kind of. And they're the, like, why are we looking for somebody else? He's so good. Let's just keep him. Sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And I was willing to do it for peanuts. <laughs> Sometimes you have to start there, but that's, you're not willing to do it for peanuts anymore. That's right. That's right. That's what you, that's the way you have to start out sometimes though. Is you sure. kind of have, uh, sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm not taking that job because you know, I'm a college graduate and I should be making more than that. And I'm not going to take that job. And I think, and, and I think get your foot in the door, right? Always just get your foot in the door. Who's the man that owns Brookhouse? Um, Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Warren Buffett gave this speech to Harvard. I was watching it one time, and it was a bunch of MBA students from Harvard. And they said, how should we get jobs after we graduate from Harvard? And he said, I would recommend finding the company you want to work for rather than going out and finding the job that pays you that much money. But find the company that fits your personality. Mm-hmm. Go to that company get a job. He said, even if it means sweeping the floors at that company and start working really, really hard until they find out what a star you are and you will move up the ladder there. Agreed. I thought that was great advice. I don't yeah. think that always people do it that way. They're, they come out kind of, and they let their ego get in the way and they're like, I'm not going to take a $8 an hour job. Yeah. I'm worth more than that. Yeah. But you know, I, I knew that going into the situation, I was not seasoned. I, you know, I'd never hosted a you know, a full morning show, you know, before, um, I was relatively new to everything. And, um, but I was, you know, I was willing to, to do whatever I had to do to, to do the job. And, um, and I was willing to prove myself. I was, I knew that I had it in me. I knew that I could do good things with the opportunity. And so I did. So I just took it and took it. You're one of the few people I know that actually went to school and got a degree 
in something that they're doing as a career later. Well, you know, I didn't start out doing it that way. You know, I chose you communications because it was easy. Um, I was looking. I, 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 <laughs> He's I, so honest. I, I love it. I went to college to party. I'm not going to lie. I was looking forward to, I mean, I'd been at Catholic High, had my hair cut a certain way, wore the khakis and, and ties for four years, uh, hadn't seen a girl in four years. Uh, I was ready <laughs> to go to college and uh, just, you know, live it up. And, uh, I, I was all, I mean, I, of course I was interested in radio and television and acting and, and things like that. And communication seemed like a natural fit for me. I figured, Hey, this is going to be great. This is going to be a lot of me standing in front of classes and talking at you and doing oral presentations and not writing and doing research and stuff like that. And it was, and that was, that was perfect for me. I could do that all day long. I could stand up in a class and, you know, half hung over and, you know, give you a, <laughs> you know, give you an exam worthy answer. <laughs> and uh, so it was. It, it worked out. It worked out for me. I love you. All right. I love your honesty. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with, okay, I can't say local celebrity. How about radio personality? Sure. Pool boy from the morning show, Heather and Pool Boy on Alice 107.7 in Little Rock, Arkansas. Let's get up in my biz. Okay, here you go. My you biz is cold. It's, biz it, the is temperature cold. dropped. Big time out there. <laughs> it did. Uh, you said my alarm goes off at 3.20. I get to the radio station at 4.15. Then I plan for the day's show at 6 o'clock. The Heather and Pool Boy show begins, and we go from there. Most people listen for about 10 or 15 minutes during their commute. My job is to make you laugh, get listeners into a good mood for work. So you prep for two hours before the show? Mm-hmm. About what? Well, I mean, all kinds of stuff. There's you have so a lot much- of content. So much goes on between the hours we get off at 10 a.m. till the time we go back on at 6 a.m. I mean, everything happens. Everything happens in in Hollywood, in sports, um, in just in your own community. And so to uh, try to condense all that into, uh, you know, four hours, but, you know, you're really not four hours with music and, and stuff like and that. So, I mean, you've got to condense it down and find the best stuff, you know, to talk about for that day. And, uh, so I get up, well, first of all, you know, I, I just, I have to wake up and so getting there, I mean, that's all part of it. So it's not like a, a sit down at four fifteen and then I'm, you know, just doing nothing but research, but it's talking with the other jocks that are there in the station. Cause we're, we're part of, we've got eight other radio stations in our building. And so oh. there's other people that are there. And so, you know, we're talking and, you know, we, we use them as sounding boards for topics or, you know, something that might've happened to them or, um, you just, I'll use anything. Um, so the alarm clock goes off at 320. It's really 310. I said it for, uh, fast forward at 10 minutes. So I really got a built in like 10 minutes. Oh. And uh, but yeah, so I get there at four and then it's just, you know, talking, waking up, drinking a Mountain Dew and uh, getting ready for today's show. Yeah, I can't believe you don't drink coffee. Uh, you know, I'm, Heather and I are rare breeds. I think we're the Heather only, doesn't either. No, we are. I think we're the only two in the building that do not drink coffee. I mean, there are guys there that crush it all day long. I mean, three o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon, they're still hitting cups of coffee. It's probably why you don't have bad breath. I, that, yeah, I can't stand bad breath. I know. So a good plug for Mountain Dew. It's got a lot of caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. And I allow myself one. That's my one, my one thing you I just, do in the morning. And then that's water usually for the rest of the show. Well, that's really, really good. So some of the things you do, uh, Backstage Betty, I love how you gave all these names for everything. Backstage <laughs> Betty, Last Day Linda, uh, the Miami Vice drink for cruise ships, 
Uh, yeah, our our topics range from and Heather's a spirit animal. She says, <laughs> you know, <laughs> our topics can go anywhere and and everywhere, and that's the fun part about the show is that you know while I do try to come up with well, while both of us try to come up with things to to talk about for the day, um, it it can change the uh, a drop of a hat uh, from a caller calling in and and asking a question to something we uh, somebody texts into the show or emails into the show. I mean, any a comment can just steer the conversation in a totally different way and that's what's fun that it's not so scripted and that we can be spontaneous and can have fun with it and i think the audience really appreciates that um you mentioned there that um you know typically somebody that's on their morning commute only has about 15 minutes 10 to 15 minutes to listen to the show because everybody's busy and everybody's got a different routine and it's getting up and it's getting the kids ready or maybe it's not maybe it's just getting yourself ready or you and your husband get out the door or something and so you get in your car and that's that's your time and we just want somebody to get to their destination in the morning with a laugh uh we very Rarely we'll talk about politics or religion or anything like that. Those and, three, yeah. And stay uh, off those, you know, because we're all in it together. We're all on this morning commute together. And we're, it's just like we're all friends riding in a car together and we're just trying to make the best of it and just you know want to want to laugh and just before you have to go to work and your grind uh we just want to get you there in a good mood that's a great way to say it we're best friends in the car we're all in the car together and we're best friends ch mm -hmm. chatting it up that's a great way to think about it you talked this morning about the ghost of girlfriends past i thought that was so funny because my girlfriends and i all got together and we all sat around and said of all the people that you used to date who would you go out with still? <laughs> and like nobody. <laughs> most of mine are dead. That's why they're I, exes. Well, because I left them for a reason. I grew up in the 70s. That most of my male boyfriends are all dead. <laughs> um, so you're going to tell us how you got your name? I got two versions, one from you and one from Heather. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's no secret that growing up going to uh, Catholic high, I had a job uh, every day after school. I worked in an apartment complex and I, and I did clean pools. When I went off to uh, college again, I, I cleaned pools and, and why not? Why would you not clean pools at an apartment complex full of sorority girls? Um, I mean, oh, it was just he's no stupid it, guy. Right. I mean, it just, it made sense. Uh, so, uh, so that was my job. That was on my resume. Cause that's all I had at that point. You know, there wasn't much on my resume coming out of, you know, college and being a bartender and working you know, some time in property management. And so when I first got to the station, um, I was, like I said, I was willing to do anything and everything. I was a gopher. I'd go do this. I'd go do that. Somebody asked me to do something, I'd go. Uh, and so people, uh, I think, fondly referred to me as station B word. Um, station. Oh, oh, yeah. which with a B? Yeah. Uh -huh. um, so th it was that for a moment. But then I, as Heather and I, you know, worked together more and more, you know, she was, you know, snapping her fingers, ordering me to do this and that for her. And, uh, you know, I'd feed her grapes or fan her with a palm leaf or something like that. And then it was just, it was just, oh, pool boy, come in here. And she'd snap her fingers and I'd get up and jump and, you know, go do whatever. So that, that's kind I of thought, how and it stuck. I thought it, she said one day a lady who used to work with us heard me ask him to get something for me and she yelled, oh, pool boy. Yeah. Yeah. So someone else started but she took it on and, and you know, then she every, just ran with it yeah yeah and the more and more she would snap her fingers and say oh pool boy i mean it it just stuck you know mm -hmm. so yeah, I, love, I love nicknames so you're gonna tell everybody what your real name is or is that a secret uh my name's adam that's right yeah like the first man the first man yeah. <laughs> first man on radio mm -hmm. um 
And because you been called poor boy so much you know everybody thinks of you as poor boy yeah it's you know it's really it's really stuck uh you know people call me pb pool um mr boy i mean i've you yeah, had to change your I, checking account. I, I i did um checking account has changed credit cards say pool boy because you couldn't like cash checks couldn't cash checks that's right and i have a dj business on the side uh, called sweet beat productions do you still have that uh-huh Sure do. So what does your business do? Uh, so, I, I mean, I'm just a DJ. I'll DJ. I uh, have a partner, uh, Johnny Jackson. He's on the air right after Heather and I in the morning. And uh, we'll do weddings, parties, fundraisers. How can you do that and go to work at 3.30 in the morning? Well, I typically don't do anything during the week. Uh, I'll do you know weekend stuff, Friday, Saturday nights, if I've got the time or need or want. You are such a hard worker. Well, I mean, it's... I tell you this, it's... Um, I feel like it's a privilege to be invited to be a part of somebody's wedding. It is. And I've been at so many weddings where the DJ, well, just plain sucked. Can I say that? Yeah. My bad. Okay. No, you can't. Um, so, and it was just horrible. And that's, you know, a bride, this is the day that she's thought about her entire life. And this day has got to be perfect. And if you want it to be a party, well, you know, I want you to make it a party and I want to help make it a party and I want to help make it great. And I don't, you know, I want to give everybody what they want and I want people, uh, you know, I want to get butts out of the seats. I want people dancing, throwing drinks back. If, but if you don't do that, that's cool too, whatever. Uh, but it's, it's fun and, and I enjoy it. And I like to make that day, you know, be amazing. You are you. like a man with a uterus. He is the most sensitive <laughs> guy I've ever known. <laughs> All right. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy. I'm speaking today with radio personality Pool Boy from the morning show, Heather and Pool Boy on Alice 107.7, Little Rock, Arkansas. All right. When I first met you, I called you and asked you if you would be a DJ for Dancing Into Dreamland, our fundraiser. Huh? And you said, oh, yes, I would just love to. I love dancing. And you told me the story of the first date with your wife. Uh, so my wife and I actually met, um, we were both on a committee for the children's protection center. That's how, that's how we met. Um, at first, um, I kind of thought she had a little RBF. Um, what's that mean? Resting B face. <laughs> um, I got to get up and then go. Okay. And, uh, and so, and I, I thought she was kind of standoffish and then it, I don't know. We, the more and more we worked together and, and worked on this committee together, we got to know each other. And then, um, I asked her out and she, you know, said no, or had something come up and I, you know, asked her out again and, you know, she'd said no and something would come up and, and, and then, so I gave it like one last, one last ditch effort. And I, there was other powers working against me. I think she, heard stories about who I was mm -hmm. and, and things like that. And so mm -hmm. I think she, I, so with good reason, I thought she was probably a little, a little standoffish, but I wasn't willing to, to give up quite yet. So this sounds, this, this is going to sound weird, but I knew if I could get her alone and, and let her see me, I, I knew that she, we, we might hit it off. And, and so I, I wanted to do, uh, have a fun date for us to, for her to get to know me and get to see a different side of me than what she probably heard on the radio. And so, um, I had some friends at Fred Astaire dance studio where I had taken some dance lessons in the past for a competition. And so, um, I'd found out that Jenny, that's my wife's name. Her favorite song at the time was a song called like a G six. 
um, <laughs> which is this, uh, you remember that song. Y'all remember that song? Like yeah, a G6. Everybody's nodding their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it, it was just one of those songs. It was just at the moment that's her song. And so I go to my friends at Fred Astaire Dance Studio, Chris and Malia, and I said, what dance would you do to like a G? Cause you can ballroom dance to just about anything. Right. It's just, and, and the, and these dancers know what kind of beat that is. If you've watched dancing with the stars, you know that they dance to anything and everything. And so they worked up a dance for that song. And so I took Jenny to the dance studio for a dance lesson for our first date, for our first date. And, um, we, you know, we got in there and they, I think they put some shoes on her, you know, some dance heels or something. And, um, and then they put on like a G6 and she was like, what? <laughs> and, and it was just, it was just kind of funny. And so there was a laugh there. Um, I got to, I got to touch her, not in like a creepy way at all, but like, you know, you know how it is like when you went out on that first date and you, or maybe it was a second date and you. Uh, ushered the lady in with your hand on the small of her back, or it was, you know, you held hands or you put your arm, you know, you had that moment. And, and I knew that if I could just, I knew that I wanted to touch her, but again, not, and I know it sounds like a creepy way, but I wanted to dance with her. I wanted to hold her. (laughs) Uh And that's what that, it took, what it, that dance lesson just took down all the walls, I guess, kind of between us. And we were just able to be, you know, pool boy and Jenny, Adam and Jenny. And it was just, it was a, a moment that we had and it was, and it was awesome. And uh, the rest is history. Rest is history. We've been together ever since, ever since that day. And, uh, it's, we very rarely dance anymore. I was going to say, do y'all uh, still take dance lessons? <laughs> we don't. Uh, and every now and again, we'll try to remember, uh, you know, our dance to like a G6. You need um, to do that for your anniversary. I know. But so when we got married, we went back to Chris and Malia at Fred Astaire and they choreographed our first dance song. And um, it was to John Lennon's woman. And um, we danced that song to a guy performing it live. And so he he came up. We never danced to it with him performing it live. And we'd only done it to a CD. He learned the song. He knew the song, but he did it spot on the day of. And we did it flawlessly at our uh, at our wedding. It was beautiful. Worked out. I love it. So there's your, that's your wedding. That's your wedding dance. So you have two dances. We, yeah, you have your we first have, date dance yeah. and your wedding dance. Yeah, we have two dances, neither of which we can remember. <laughs> How long have you been married now? Uh, it'll be four. It's going on four years. So tell us about how you came to be on the board of the Children's Protection Center. My buddy was on uh, the committee first and um, he brought me in. He just thought that I would be a good fit. He knew that I knew marketing and promotions and things like that. And he just felt that I would be a good fit for this. So um, I got to give it up to my friend Gareth Hughes to, who brought me in on this. And I wasn't always on the board. I, I started out in the committee and I just, uh, I loved what they were doing. So the Children's Protection Center mm-hmm. is a um, an agency and it's a nonprofit that helps victims and their families heal and move on from physical and sexual child abuse. Mm. So how this works is, let's start here. In 2016, there were over a thousand cases of reported child abuse in Pulaski County alone. And that's just what, what's reported. That's, that's, that's just reported in Pulaski County. Mm. The Children's Protection Center was able to see about 254 of those cases, 
where the other cases go, there's no telling. So 25% of the cases are on, are seen? Well, they're seen, but maybe through a different agency or maybe it's, you know, it's just handled, you know, by, um, you know, police or uh, another, you know, child advocacy agency. Um, but what the Children's Protection Center does, it's a complete place for a child to get um, help. Um, this it's a it's a center for where a child can come and they can tell their story one time and have their interview recorded and done by a professional um, child investigator who knows what kind of questions to ask and can help get the full story told. When a child does not get this type of, of help, the child could be asked to come back to a place and tell their story two, three, four, five times. Evidence gets lost. Stories get changed. I mean, there can be, there could be, if there's time, family can get involved and coerce children. I mean, you know, all kinds of different things can happen and stories can get convoluted and, and lost in translation. And so the Children's Protection Center is just a, an amazing organization that really you know, helps the child and helps the family and can take some of the trauma out of it and can help them find healing and hope. Um, and so I'm... So the board is trying to get more of them seen? Yes. It's located in the Clark Building, which is a new building on the Arkansas um, Children's Hospital campus. And it's to record the interview but, one time by a professional to be used yes, later in cases. But also there are doctors on hand to do rape kits mm. and do and check these children out immediately. How do you not cry every time you do? Well, this? Here's the thing. That's not my job. And I, and I, and you applaud the people that do that job day in and day out. And, and, and we just had a partner's picnic at the center we're, we invited other agencies that deal in this. We're talking about the detectives, the police officers, the people that, you know, take the phone calls and hear these stories. These guys are the heroes. Mm -hmm. These guys that this is what they do. They wake up and deal with the most scumbags of the earth. And when I go home, I talk to my wife about, you know, whatever dumb story I talked about <laughs> on the air that morning. These people go home and can't even tell their family because who wants to talk about child abuse and the stories that they had to hear and live through that day. It's awful. It's awful. Thank you, poor boy. I cannot thank you enough. Thank you so much for having me. This you, is wonderful. You are a dear. And yeah, for coming on the show, look what you get. You get an Arkansas Razorback. What is that? A two? A, oh, a floaty. A floaty. floaty. He's a, a floaty. Awesome. pool boy. A pool boy. That works out perfect. Well, you know, Flag and Banner has that huge Razorback section. And Tim this today said, we've got to give him one of those Razorback floaties. He is the pool boy. And I'll be telling people that if this is for the Razorback basketball team and not that football team. Oh. <laughs> That's a topic for another day. We have like three topics we could have talked about today that we did not get to. So I want to tell my listeners, if you have a great entrepreneur, 
entrepreneurial story you would like to share, I'd love to hear from you. Send a brief bio and your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org and someone will be in touch. And finally, thank you for spending time with me. If you think this program has been about you, you're right, but it's also been for me. Thank you for letting me fulfill my destiny. My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's inspiring or enlightening and that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence, or your life. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio, and choose today's guest. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Subscribe to podcasts wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.